0: Light of the morning. I can see over me in the first light of the morning. This is America on Par, a powerful punch of political punditry in a pithy podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Parr. Thanks for listening in. You know, I've been doing a, a lot of research on our two-party system for another project I'm working on, and that has led me to an interesting question: How do political parties fail? You hear pundits on TV saying the Democrats or the Republicans are in danger of failing. But are they really? Well, let's look at how some political parties have actually gone away. The the, the first party in America was the Federalist Party. He was led by Alexander Hamilton. He was the first secretary of the Treasury under George Washington. That's the guy that's on your $10 bill. Alexander Hamilton, he's on your $10 bill. He's the same guy that liberals want to replace on that $10 bill with a woman. Any woman. It doesn't matter which woman, just some woman. Please, any woman. Hell, Caitlyn Jenner. Anyone. It's ironic, too, because Hamilton advocated for a strong central government with a powerful executive. And liberals today love that kind of thing, but they want Hamilton off the ten. Anyway, so the Federalists were very strong during the first three election cycles, 1788, 1792, 1796. They were opposed by the Democrat-Republican Party, which was led by Thomas Jefferson and James Monroe. Well, the Democrat-Republicans wanted a weaker central government and felt that the role of government was limited to what was spelled out in the Constitution. Nothing more. No central bank, power to the people, that type of thing. So at first, the Federalists were doing very well, but the election of 1800 flipped all of that on its head. The Democrat Republicans won a landslide victory. The House had been Federalist control, 60 seats to 46. After the 1800 election, it was 38 seat Federalists, 65 seats Democrat Republican. Big flip there. Now, before the Democrat-Republican takeover could be complete, there was a problem. Both Thomas Jefferson and his running mate, Aaron Burr, had 73 Electoral College votes. Because of how the Constitution was originally written, first place became president, second place became vice president. That's how Jefferson, a Democrat-Republican, was the vice president for Adams, a Federalist. Well, one of the Democrat-Republican Electoral College members was supposed to not vote for Burr but did, and so there was a tie, 73-73. to 73. It was supposed to be 73-72, or 74-72, something like that. But it, it didn't end up that way. So what that meant was the House of Representatives would decide who became president, Jefferson or Burr. See, the Democrat-Republicans wanted Jefferson to be president, and they wanted Burr to be vice president, and the Federalists were in control of the House. They were the, it was the outgoing Federalist-controlled House that was going to decide this, not the incoming Democrat-Republican House. Pretty interesting. It took 36 votes in the House, but it was eventually decided because Hamilton, the father of the Federalist Party, urged his members to vote for his biggest rival, Jefferson. Why? Because he said Jefferson was not nearly as dangerous as Burr because Jefferson had principles and was thus predictable. Burr didn't really have principles in Hamilton's assessment. Well, you know what? It it turns out Hamilton was probably pretty right about Burr's character. Burr not only killed Hamilton in a duel, but after he was no longer vice president, he he tried to raise an army to invade Mexico twice so that he could become king of Mexico. (laughs) Anyway, by 1804, Hamilton was dead. And the Federalists never regained power. By 1820, they were gone. So what happened? The Federalists lost a landslide election and then lost their intellectual and political leader, their cult of personality. Most of the Federalists simply drifted into the Democrat-Republican Party. So much so that in 1824, John Quincy Adams was elected president as a Democrat-Republican. He was the son of the only Federalist president, John Adams. Washington wasn't a member of either party. He tried to stay neutral. So Quincy, John Quincy Adams, the son of a Federalist, was a Democrat-Republican elected president. By the way, it was that 1824, the John Quincy Adams election, that brought about the downfall of the Democrat-Republicans, the second party in the United States. What happened was the popular general, Andrew Jackson, also a Democrat-Republican at the time, won the popular vote. But he didn't have enough electoral votes to win outright. So a deal was made in the House that gave the presidency to Adams, enraging Jackson. So Jackson set out to form his own party, the Democrat Party, the same Democrat Party we have today. Jackson beat Adams four years later, and that was pretty much the end of the Democrat-Republicans. They had a split, followed by a defeat, and it was over. There have been other party failures over the years. The Whig Party failed when it split over slavery, making the southern states solidly Democrat and giving rise to the GOP, the modern Republican Party. The Democrats were pretty much the only party in the South until after, this, uh, after the Civil War until about 1970 or so. Republicans have twice had breakaway parties Emerge based on individual personalities. The first was the progressive or the Bull Moose Party formed by former Republican Teddy Roosevelt. That split meant both the progressives and the Republicans lost, paving the way for the Democrat Woodrow Wilson. Now, Roosevelt eventually went back into the Republican Party and the Republicans again won three elections in the 1920s. Well, that split thing, that it happened again in 1992 when Ross Perot ran for president. He pulled most of his votes from the Republicans, allowing Bill Clinton a pathway to victory, even though Bill Clinton never won a majority of the popular vote. Perot's Reform Party pulled in another 8 million votes away from Republicans again in 1996. By 2000, Perot had endorsed George W. Bush, and the Reform Party stopped having any measurable influence on a nationwide level. Again, as cult of personality. So what have we learned by this look back? Well, one, parties must be based on principles, not on individuals, or they run the risk of dying when the cult of personality dies. Two, when a party splits, especially when a strong individual personality causes that split, the opposition party wins. Every time. And three, when parties start losing elections, they die. The risk to the Democrat Party right now is that they are losing elections. Not presidential ones yet, but over the past six years, they've been bleeding local, state, and federal elections nationwide. In terms of the numbers of senators and house members, governors, state legislatures, the Democrat Party hasn't been this bad off since before the Great Depression. And even if you look back at when they weren't winning national elections after the Civil War, they were still winning in the South. That kept the party alive. Losing at the lower levels of government has robbed the Democrats of known leaders who can win on the national level down the road. That's why they only have two candidates in the race for president today, and nobody knows who one of them was even a year ago. The risk for the Republicans is once again a split based upon a cult of personality, Trump. Trump is dominating the nomination process so far, and nothing he does or says hurts his numbers. He's Teflon. He's bulletproof. Things that would have doomed previous candidates like three marriages or insulting war heroes or advocating for abortion. They just bounce off of Trump because his celebrity and success in business make him invulnerable this cycle. But there's a twofold risk to the party here. If the party supports Trump, they will have to abandon some Republican principles, like small government, freedoms of the press, right to life. I can't figure out what Trump's guiding principles actually are other than Trump is great and he'll do great things. As Hamilton noted, someone with strong principles is less dangerous than someone without principles. Favoring personality instead of principles is one way to kill a party. But if Republicans don't support him, Trump will run on his own, splitting the party in half and guaranteeing Hillary Clinton a victory. So frankly, both parties are in trouble right now. Trump has the Republicans in check, maybe check May. The Democrats aren't winning, and Hillary doesn't have the personality to create large coattails down to local elections. And the people are pretty mad these days, so it won't take much for many Americans to say, forget them both. It's time for something new. Not that something new would necessarily work any better. There hasn't been a successful party launch since Lincoln and the Civil War. Tell you what, we are certainly living in interesting times. Thanks for listening. If you like these podcasts, please share them with your friends on Facebook and Twitter. If you'd like to leave a comment, you can always do so on my website, americaonpar.com. I'm Stephen Parr, and I can still see old glory flying over me. In the first